Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of news impacting the precious metals markets. It's Friday, April 28th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I'm playing hurt today. You can probably hear it in your voice. Actually, hurt's not the right word. Sick is more accurate. Uh, on Tuesday, I started feeling bad, and by that evening, I was running a fever. Turns out, I have the Rona. Lovely, right? So, this show is going to be on the shorter side. And honestly, it's probably not a bad week to do a little bit of a shorter show because it was pretty quiet this week as far as news went. Um, Not a whole lot of uh, stuff going on out there. Uh, Gold did rally back close to $2,000 an ounce Thursday morning. And uh, I'm actually recording this on Thursday morning because I feel good enough right now to do it. I figure I better jump on the window while I can. Um, so we're, we're pushing back to $2,000 an ounce. And uh, there was a good article on our website, shiftgold.com slash news, by our analyst, Tony, kind of looking at the fundamentals and the technicals and looking at whether or not $2,000 an ounce is actually support or resistance for gold right now. Uh, I will link to that on the show notes page. But for today's show, I want to talk a little bit about central bank digital currency and something I think people are getting wrong when it comes to dealing with the prospect of central bank digital currency or CBDC, as it is known um, by its acronym. And what I think people are getting wrong is the notion that paper money is the solution to the problem. Now, I will grant you that physical paper money solves some of the privacy and security issues that are inherent in central bank digital currencies, but a lot of people seem to have forgotten that government-issued paper fiat is the parent of central bank digital currency, and it won't solve the more fundamental problem. Whether physical or digital, fiat currency isn't real money. So let's back up a moment and let me give just a little bit of an overview of what CBDCs actually are. Hold on, I need to sneeze. I shut the recorder off so I didn't have to subject you to the sneeze. This uh, variant of coronavirus is basically a cold with a fever. Um, So lots of sneezy and stuffy nose stuff going on here. Anyway, We're going to back up and and do a little bit of an overview of what CBDCs actually are. So, digital currencies are virtual banknotes, or you can call them coins, that are held in a digital wallet on your computer or on a smartphone. The difference between a central bank government-issued digital currency and peer-to-peer electronic cash, such as Bitcoin, is that the value of digital currency is backed by, controlled by, and issued by the government, just like traditional paper fiat currency. In fact, a Federal Reserve-issued CBDC would just be a dollar in another form. But the specter of a CBDC raises new concerns relating to financial privacy and the potential for government control, or I should say more government control. So at the root of the move towards CBDC is what 
we've talked about for a long time here at Shift Gold, the war on cash. Um, and if you go back and look, uh, just search war on cash on the Shift Gold website, you'll find a bunch of articles about this. Basically, for years, governments have looked for ways to eliminate physical cash, paper money, because it's hard to control. I can put paper money under my mattress and nobody even has to know I have it. And if you and I do a cash transaction, there's no record of it, right? So that's a big problem for government types, right? Because basically they want to control everything. And, you know, they would like to tax our transaction or maybe they would even like to prohibit our transaction altogether. So enter central bank digital currencies. Government-issued digital currencies are sold on the promise that they will provide a safe and convenient and more secure alternative to physical cash. And of course, we're also told that it's going to stop dangerous criminals who like the intractability of cash. And, and you'll notice that anytime the government wants to do something that's going to give them more control over us, they try to scare us into allowing them to do it. You know, there's always a scare tactic involved. There's always some some uh, boogeyman that's hanging out there that they're going to fix with uh, their solution that is actually going to end up being more control over your life. Um, and of course, that brings us to the darker side of the CBDCs, the promise of control. Um, they create the potential for governments to track and even micromanage consumer spending. I mean, stop and think about it a minute. Imagine if there was no cash. It would be impossible to hide even the smallest transaction from the government's eyes. Something as simple as your morning trip to Starbucks wouldn't be a secret from government officials. As Bloomberg put it in an article published when China launched a digital yuan program back in 2020, um, it said digital currency offers Chinese authorities a degree of control never possible with physical money. And of course, the government can even turn off an individual's ability to make purchases if the government is literally controlling from start to finish this uh, digital currency. Bloomberg described just how much control digital currency would give Chinese officials. Quote, the PBOC, People's Bank of China, has also indicated that it could put limits on the sizes of some transactions or even require an appointment to make large ones. Some observers wonder whether payments would be linked to the emerging social credit system wherein citizens with exemplary behavior are whitelisted for privileges, while those with criminal and other infractions find themselves left out. China's goal is not to make payments more convenient, but to replace cash so it can keep closer tabs on people than it already does. So that was from Aaron Brown, a crypto dude who writes for Bloomberg Opinion. Economist Thorsten Polite outlined the potential for Big Brother-like government control with the advent of a digital euro in an article published by the Mises Wire a little while back. As he put it, quote, the path to becoming a surveillance state regime will accelerate considerably if and when a digital currency is issued. So you can see why governments are keen on implementing CBDC as quickly as possible and why anybody who cares about freedom and privacy Eh, it might ought to be concerned. Basically, this is a big brother nightmare on steroids. But this raises a question. Is paper money the solution? As the push to implement CBDC intensifies, opponents are lobbying for policies to preserve the right to use cash. And this makes sense on the surface, and I'm not really against this. 
I mean, if people have the option to use physical currency, they can, they can simply avoid a CBDC and the inherent control it would provide government actors. But in the clamor to minimize the impact of CBDC, many have lost sight of the inherent problems with paper fiat money. As George Mason put it, quote, the laws making paper currency a legal tender have produced great and numerous evils. And I would argue that one of those evils that's going to spring out of fiat paper money is central bank digital currency. As I said earlier, really CBDC is the child of government-issued paper fiat. Thomas Jefferson actually went farther. He declared that paper is poverty. It is only the ghost of money and not money itself. So if paper money isn't money, CBDC ain't money either. Neither one of them are money. Now, CBDC would certainly give government more control, but don't forget that the government's monopoly on money and the Federal Reserve's ability to create it out of thin air gives it plenty of control to begin with. I mean, our money is being controlled right now as I speak. In fact, I have argued that the Federal Reserve is the engine that drives the biggest, most powerful government in history. See, the problem with paper money is that the Fed can just fire up the printing presses and make more when the government wants to pay for something. That means there's virtually no restraint on government spending and on government power. But when the government just creates trillions of dollars out of thin air, of course, it erodes away your purchasing power. That makes you poorer. You have experienced that in spades over the last, what, 18 months or so. And keep in mind, I mentioned this just a second ago, money is power. And the Federal Reserve is basically an unlimited spigot pumping dollars into the economy. It monetizes the federal debt and, a, and enables a level of borrowing that wouldn't be possible otherwise. If it weren't for the Federal Reserve monetizing all of the debt during the pandemic, the federal government wouldn't have been able to spend all of that money, right? Without the Fed, basically, there would be no more endless and undeclared wars. There would be no massive, unsustainable social programs. There wouldn't be a police state. There wouldn't be corporate welfare. The federal government would truly be limited. A gold standard actually limited government. It put restraints on government. That's why, starting with Roosevelt and moving forward, there was such a, a, a clamor to get the United States off the gold standard because they didn't like those limits that it put on the federal government. As Thomas Jefferson warned, we are to be ruined now by a deluge of bank paper. And this is the key point here. Paper currency is the parent of CBDC. I've said this three times now. Central bank digital currency is the same old dollar in a new form with the same problems as paper. Of course, it adds more problems to it. I'm not denying that. But you have to remember as we move forward into this that just because the CBDC is bad doesn't mean, oh, all of a sudden paper money is good. With CBDC, instead of printing new dollars, the Fed can simply create new digital dollars with a keystroke. Instead of a deluge of paper, we will get a deluge of electronic digits. In fact, the economy has already moved most of the way in that direction with the advent of credit cards and electronic payment systems. I mean, in fact, the Federal Reserve, it's not like they're actually printing out dollar bills, right? They're not uh, in, in the basement of the uh, Eccles building and, and running a printing press. They're actually creating money digitally. So 
we're kind of already there, to be honest with you. Now, granted, again, CBDCs create new worries about privacy and control, but that's not a reason to suddenly embrace paper money as the solution to all of our problems. But that's what a lot of people seem to be doing. They're telling us we have to protect and promote paper money in order to fight CBDC because government digital currency is so bad. As one opponent of government digital currency put it, quote, I used to be really critical of the Federal Reserve notes, but compared to CBDC, U.S. Federal Reserve note cash will be wonderful. We will miss it when it's gone. Note that he said, used to be really critical of Federal Reserve notes. Apparently, he's not anymore because CBDC is so much worse. But he probably should still be critical of Federal Reserve notes, too. You see, this mentality drives people away from opposing the original evil that led us here in the first place. It's important to remember that Federal Reserve notes were always an evil. CBDC is all of that evil plus some, but that doesn't make the original evil good or something that should be preserved. John Adams compared government overreach to cancer. He said, The nature of encroachment upon the American Constitution is such as to grow every day more and more encroaching. Like a cancer, it eats faster and faster every hour. So, what do you do with cancer? You remove it. And when cancer metastasizes, you don't just remove the metastasis, you remove it and the original tumor. No sane person would embrace the original cancer just because the metastasis is worse. Relying on paper money might alleviate some of the problems of CBDC, but it doesn't strike the root of the problem. The government might not be able to track every purchase if you use paper money, but they will still devalue your dollar every single day. It's like Peter Schiff keeps saying, you know, it's not so much that your bank is or that your bank deposits aren't safe in the bank, you know, because we have the FDIC. But the problem is, is that even if your deposits are safe in the bank, they're devaluing every second. You know, your dollar is worth less uh, by the time we finish this podcast than it was when we started. So, what we really need is currency competition. That means finding sound money alternatives to federal government produced and controlled fiat money. In other words, we we need real money, not government money. Now, this could come in the form of gold and silver, or uh, it could be non-government cryptocurrencies, maybe Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, It could even involve ways of transacting business we haven't thought of yet. But we need money that is not subject to Federal Reserve government control and manipulation. Replacing one form of government money with another is not a long-term solution. And, you know, when I talk about currency competition, I'm not saying what is going to be best. Let the market decide. Open it up. Let all of these things compete with each other and figure out what people want to use. I have a feeling people are going to gravitate back towards gold and silver because gold and silver have been money for 5,000 years, right? We know that gold and silver are not going to be devalued. They can't be devalued by the government. So they have a long track record of uh, functioning as sound money. But I'm not saying that that you know it has to be, that has to be the solution. It could be something else. But what I'm really pushing for here, what I'm really trying to get people to embrace is the idea of currency competition. 
Now, we are starting to see some states push back against CBDC. Um, bills have been introduced in several states, including my home state here in Florida, to actually ban central bank digital currencies. The Florida bill would uh, explicitly say central bank digital currency is not money um, in the uh, UCC, um, which is kind of what it's, it's the, the state level law statutes that every state has. Every state has a UCC law. Um, and, and this is basically how commerce operates. So Florida would make it so that the Uniform Commercial Code is what UCC stands for. My brain is not all the here functioning. So if you hear me kind of going, blah, 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 that's why. Uh, anyway, so Florida would make digital currency not money by definition in the UCC, and uh, it would effectively make it not usable in the state of Florida for commerce. Um, and some other states are looking at actually um, saying that digital currencies are not uh, considered deposits. And deposits, that has to do with the way transactions work under the UCC. Same basic idea, um, banning central bank digital currency at the state level. Um, so that's a good thing. But um, again, you can't just go after CBDC and replace it with nothing, right? It's just the latest version of a very old problem, government-controlled money. And that's why I think the moves we've seen in a number of states to take down some of the barriers to using gold and silver as money are so important. You know, the first step is just repealing taxes on gold and silver. And I actually talked about this last week. Uh, Mississippi just repealed its sales tax. And several states, including Missouri and Maine, have legislation pending that would repeal the state capital gains tax on the sale of precious metals. And uh, if you listen to last week's show, I talked about Arkansas uh, and how it repealed its capital gains tax and then went a step further and made gold and silver legal tender in the state. So that means it will now be recognized as a medium of exchange. So practically speaking, this will allow Arkansans, 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 people in Arkansas to use gold and silver coins as money rather than just as mere investment vehicles. So in effect, it'll create a more favorable legal, legal structure for using gold and silver in transactions. Now, Practically speaking, eliminating taxes on the sale of gold and silver and making it legal tender, it cracks open the door for people to begin using specie in regular business transactions. And of course, this is more and more possible when we have digital platforms such as gold money. And there are others out there where you can actually use a debit card and, and spend your gold that's held in the safe, uh, held by these companies in their safes. Um, yeah, so that creates that opportunity. And then there's these uh, gold backs, if you've heard of those. They're basically uh, 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 actual gold in a currency form. So a lot of different things are out there, but we still need to get to the point that they're more widely accepted, more widely used. Um, Texas. Texas is even considering issuing a gold-backed digital currency. I'll link to an article about that on the show notes. Now, I understand a lot of people are skeptical of this because it would be run by the state of Texas. and It is a state, after all. I get that. But the way I look at it, again, it's competition for Federal Reserve notes. And the more choices we have and the more competition we can create in the world of money, the better off we'll be. So maybe a Texas 
issued digital currency isn't the best thing. Maybe uh, there's a private issuer out there that would be even better. But let them compete in the open market. That's what I'm getting at. That's the real solution to the CBDC problem. And it also deals with the broader problems inherent in government-controlled fiat money. But you know, ultimately, it's up to us, right? We have to start establishing new ways of transacting business. It always comes back to human action. You know, and as the saying goes, if we keep doing what we're doing, we'll keep getting what we've got. And really, that's what pushing back to paper money is. I mean, yes, it will alleviate some of the problems of CBDC, but it doesn't solve the inherent problems that we have in our economy and our financial system. And that is the fact that the Federal Reserve has a monopoly on money and it's controlling our money and it is to our detriment. So, you know, if you are interested in exploring the world of gold and silver, now's a good time, right? So, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can do it today, 1-888-GOLD-160. Email info at shiftgold.com or go to shiftgold.com. Go to the Getting Started page, click there, and you can actually chat with a precious metal specialist right there online. As I've said over and over, these guys are great, and uh, they'll look at your investing strategies, your um, your portfolio, and, and just look at how precious metals might fit into that. They can also talk, also talk to you about how silver can be used uh, in a bartering mechanism. And that, again, is another way of kind of creating currency competition. So with that, that's it. I got no more energy. I can do no more. So we're going to call it the gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. Keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at Apple Podcasts, at uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, a Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links to all of this stuff on the show notes page. You can email me mmaharry, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Always appreciate hearing from folks. And, uh, I've got some ideas, some questions that have been asked that I'm going to use in shows in the future. So keep those coming. Hope you all have a great weekend. I'm going back to bed. <laughs>